0: Praise you. You are all to us. Jesus, we thank you that you came for us. God, we thank you for how you lead us. May we remember today how good you are and how good it is for us to be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Am I working that? There we go. Thanks, guys. What if somebody offered you the home of your dreams today? Just maybe some of you are living in the home of your dreams right now if that's so great I pat you on the back way to go Uh, the cool thing Um, if that's the case you'll have to think about a time when you weren't living in your home of your dreams but think about that your home of your dreams what would it look like Uh, how many square feet would it be Um, how many or how few bathrooms would it have Um, you know how many bedrooms where would it be would it be out in the country would it be in the city would it have a nice backyard think about the home of your dreams. And imagine if somebody gave it to you, just said, here's the keys, it's all been taken care of, it's all been paid for. And what if it wasn't just somebody who offered it to you? What if it was God himself who offered it to you? And what if God said to you, not only here is the home of your dreams, but also promised his protection there for you? Never would your children get injured there. Never would anything bad happen there. Imagine if God himself gave that to you, the keys in his hand, ready to give it to you, but there's one exception. And the exception is that God won't go there with you. Would you take it? I imagine, uh, I, I don't want to put a percentage on this. I, I, I'm, I'd be curious to know what percentage of people in America would take that offer. Would say, That all sounds really good. And if I just have to go there without God, well, I'd have everything I wanted anyways. Well, it's interesting. At one point in their history, Israel actually had to make a choice somewhat like that. God had promised to bring them into the promised land. Do you know why we call it the promised land? Because God promised to give it to them. Here's a verse way back in Genesis 12. Genesis 12. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. It was God's promise to Abraham that somewhere along the line, to to the descendants of Abraham, Abraham, God would give that land to his people. And as we fast forward then into the book of Exodus, uh, remember, what was the, the often repeated line in the first part of the book of Exodus? Let my people go. But here's the pop quiz for you. I'm I'm kind of into these pop quizzes lately. I warned some of you it's going to come this week. It wasn't just let my people go. That's the famous part. But what came right after it so many times? so that they may worship me. That's what God said. The whole point of the Exodus story, remember God's people were living in Egypt in slavery, and he worked mighty miracles to bring them out, but the point was so that they could live with God in the place that he wanted to give them so that they could worship him rightly, so that they could live their whole lives with him there. But as we move a little bit further forward in Exodus, something terrible happened that threatened to derail that whole thing for those Israelites. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God, and that was a blessing, right? God had asked him to come up, and God was in the process of revealing his ways to Moses so that Moses could bring the, the, that God's teaching to the people. And what did the people do in Exodus 32? That's the whole golden calf story. Do remember that one? They started to wonder where Moses was. And in a stunning lack of faith, they created this, this idol made out of gold. They took off their earrings, they gave it to Aaron, and Aaron put it in the fire, and uh, as he was explaining it later to Moses, Aaron said, out came this calf. Huh, imagine that. Well, do you know why it came out? Because the people said in Exodus 32.1, this, this is awful. But think about this. Moses is meeting with God up on the mountain. Yeah, it's taking a little while, and the people wondered where he was, but this is what they said to Aaron. Come, make us gods who will go before us. Isn't that awful? God was leading them on the mountain, and they were getting a little bit too antsy. Maybe they wanted something that they could see or or feel. And they said, make us gods that will go before us. God was leading them. They chose something else. And that brings us to Exodus 33. And I want to walk through the first 17 verses of that chapter today. And I want to emphasize the choice that had to be made between going with or without God. But let me ask you another question, kind of like the dream home question. But what if the choice was set before you and you had to either choose God's blessings or God's presence? If you had to choose between the two of them, only God's blessings or only God's presence, Which one would you choose? Well, let's look at Exodus 33. We'll walk through it. I'm going to start by reading verses 1 through the first part of verse 3. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey." Now, these verses actually look pretty good, don't they? For a long time, for hundreds of years, the people had wanted to get into the promised land. God had said that he would give it to them, and they were just waiting for that time when God would bring it to them. And, and now, all of a sudden, God is saying, Go! I will give it to you. And there's people living there, but don't worry. I'll send my angel before me, before you, and, and I'll wipe those people out of there so that you can go into that land, and it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And pretty much every time I hear that phrase, a land flowing with milk and honey, I think of Larry from VeggieTales saying, sounds sticky, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, actually it was a really good blessing. But then verse 3, and this is shocking, God's talking uh, to Moses, and he says, but I will not go with you, because you were a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. Here's the crisis. God promised his provision, but not his presence. He may very well have destroyed them if he went with them, and it was because of their sin. That was the reason that God said that he would not go with them. They had shown themselves in the previous chapter to be a people who had rejected his ways, so why should God go with them if they had rejected him? So God said, go on up, I'll take care of it, I'll send my angel, but I'm not going with you. Uh, in the previous chapter, God had already threatened to destroy if Israel. In chapter 32, verse 10, uh, the Lord said to Moses, this is during the Golden calf incident, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. So isn't that interesting? God, his plan was to destroy the people and to start over with Moses. He'd done that before, right? In the flood, and it looks like that's what he was going to do again. But Moses here, in, in chapter 32, interceded for the people, and, and God relented from destroying them. But still, there was something going on, and there was something of which the Israelites were worthy of punishment, and, and, and then in chapter 33, that's where God said, if I go with them, I might destroy them. But God didn't want to destroy Israel. So in, a, in effect, this is fascinating. It was God's mercy not to go with them. He said, you go up into the promised land, Moses, you lead them. I'll wipe out the people there so you can go in and live in safety. But it was God's mercy not to go with them, with the Israelites, because of their sin, he might destroy them. They deserved punishment, but God in his mercy didn't give it to them. So it's ironic. Um, in the golden calf incident, Israel said that they wanted a God with them but their actions made it so that the one true God wouldn't go with them. It's a really sad trade-off that they made. So um, I want to put up a chart here, and I'm going to put up a few charts during my sermon. This one presents two options before the Israelites. Option A was what God gave to them. It was the promised land without God. And I was thinking, what, what would be the other choice? Here? Was, was that all that it was for them? Did, did they just have to accept that deal? Was there anything else that could happen? And, and I was just thinking, you know, what, what could it possibly be if we knew that we were in a bad spot with God? What would, the, what would the only other option be? I think it's repentance. Let's move on and see, hopefully, if Israel goes there. Okay, let's read verses 4 through 6. When the people heard these distressing words, isn't that interesting? What was distressing? Going up into the promised land? No, that's what they had hoped for for all these years. What was distressing was that God wouldn't go with them. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, You were a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. So, distressing words. Again, I like that. Um, And it says there that the people began to mourn, and that's the proper response. That's what it should have been, recognizing their sin. It's like they said, well, God, uh, when you put it that way, no, we don't want to go without you. But at this point in time, they didn't know what to do. Uh, there was this scenario playing out where God was not going to be with them because of their sin and again it was his mercy but he didn't want to destroy them and when it come, what it comes down to for us as well as we try to put ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites there's this choice sometimes where we're either going to go our own way without God or we submit to God's way which one is it going to be for us and it's sad for me to think that anyone, any one of us, even people in this room, we, we've all gotten up here and made the effort to come to church, but are, are we making the effort to go where God leads us? Not just on Sunday morning, but every day of our lives. Every moment of our lives. We're all tempted to pick a path other than that, that which God has for us. But let's just be honest with ourselves and recognize that. But let's move on now to see what happened in verses 7 through 11. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So these verses are a little bit like an interlude, and they they tell us something that we had already known. We already knew that God would meet with Moses. God met with Moses up on the mountain and it wasn't Moses that God was angry with because it was, while Moses was up on the mountain that the Israelites did the whole golden calf thing. So God had threatened to remove his presence from the people of Israel, but not from Moses. So what we see in verses 7 through 11 was God was still willing to meet with Moses. So what would Moses do with that? Um, It's interesting, Moses' response, and I love Moses' response here. Let's look at it, verses 12 through 17. Moses said to the Lord... You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Okay, so first of all, what we see here is we see Moses interceding for the people. An intercessor is somebody who goes in between two parties. So there was God and there was Israel and God was angry with them. So Moses went to intercede. And I love this that, that Moses had this, this God given place that he could meet with God and, and talk to him. And Moses used that to intercede to the people, to ask for the people, to, to ask God to show his mercy. Uh, and I think Moses sets a good example for us in that. We see people all around us making poor decisions. What are we going to do? Can we intercede for them? Yes, we can. We can pray to them. We uh, Pray to them. No, how about we pray for them? So we can ask God to show his mercy to them, and we can also talk to these people and urge them to, to consider God, to pursue him, to flee from evil. Those are things that we can do, and I think that that's what see, we see Moses doing here. And, and remember, um, Moses could have just taken God's offer. He could have said, okay, God's fine. Wipe out those other people, and I'll go with you. You want to start over with me? Fine, let's do that. But he didn't do that. And, and that makes me think about Jesus. I think what we see here from Moses in this, in his intercession, is a, a, a word picture, a foreshadowing of Jesus. Because Moses here, in this part of the story, had no sin of his own. It was the people's sin that was causing the problem between them and God, that was causing the distance. And think about that with Jesus. Jesus never had any sin of his own. We were the ones with the problem, but yet Jesus came and at great cost to himself took our sins upon himself and paid our death penalty so that we could be with God. Jesus interceded for us. And that's what Moses was doing here as well. And you see, the promised land in the Old Testament, when I think of that, I often think of it as a word picture for the promised land that God has for us in the New Covenant, that the new heavens and the new earth, the place where we will live with God forever. Those of us who have received Jesus as Savior and Lord, we have that promise of being with God forever. Jesus interceded for us and died for us and rose again so that we could have that. Um, okay, So Moses was interceding, and in verse 13, I find this interesting, that Moses threw this line in there, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Um, You see, Israel got off course by forgetting God's ways. They forgot, you know, that one about we should only worship the one true God. They forgot his ways. So Moses here said, God, teach me your ways, so I may know you. And isn't that interesting? Um... Usually, if we think about reading a book, like let's say a textbook, let's say you've got a chemistry class and you've got a chemistry textbook, you read that textbook to learn more information about chemistry. And certainly that's true, when we read the Bible there are things that we can learn about God, but there's more than that. When we read the Bible, we can actually know God. Not just know things about Him, but we can actually know Him more. And as we look ahead, uh, I've already revealed the end of the story that God relented and decided to go with his people. But in the very next chapter, in chapter 34, God gave Moses his words again. When, when Moses came down the mountain the first time after the golden calf incident, he smashed down those, those stone tablets that had been given. And uh, in chapter 34, went up the mountain again and God gave him the words again that he could bring before the people so that the people could have God's Word with them so that they could know Him. And God's done that for us as well. He has given us His Word. And and let me just stop and make a point of application here. If we want a relationship with God, we should get to know His ways. He is the God who speaks to us and has given His Word to us and we should listen to Him and get to know Him in His Word. Okay. Then, the end of verse 13, Moses said, Remember that this nation is your people. Again, he was interceding for them. And, and God's response is very interesting in verse 14. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. What's interesting is that the you in verse 14 is singular. And I, I think what we see here is God saying uh, again to Moses, Yes, Moses, I will go with you. Individually, Moses, I will give you rest. But then Moses kicks up his intercession for Israel a little bit, and in verse 15, one of the key words is us. A literal translation of verse 15 says, If your presence does not go, do not send us up from here. And then similarly in verse 16, it says, How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? Rejecting the golden calf, Moses wanted the real deal. He wanted God with us. He didn't want to settle for an imitation. Um, I I love this from Moses, and if I could paraphrase Moses' request here, this is how I would say it. No way. No way, God. Do not make us go there without you. How could we go without you? And, And I don't think that Moses was arguing with God. I think that Moses really was resolving in his heart to lead the people in such a way that they would have a heart to go with God. God didn't change in any of this. I'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, But what good would the promised land be without the God of the promise? What good would the blessings of God be without God himself? Why would we ever seek that life? You see, the biggest blessing that any one of us can have from God is His presence with us. I hope you know that. That's, that's going to be the theme of my sermon next Sunday as well. But I hope you know that. We often think, well, what, what blessings from God do you want? Health? Uh, place to live? Safety? Uh, money? You know what? Those things would all be great if God were to give them to us. But what's the biggest Blessing that we could ever have its God with us now and for the rest of eternity that is number one and, and I love this from Moses that, that his heart was so committed to wanting to be in the presence of God that he said no don't send us up from here unless you go with us but it's amazing how often we are tempted to go our own way to exchange that blessing of God with us for something else, perhaps something that we can see or feel or touch. Think about that. I I hope that every single one of us in here would agree that the number one blessing that we can have is God with us. But yet how often do we go and try to get our own blessing, pick our own path, It's sad how often we choose that path. In the book of 1 John, some of you just studied that this Wednesday, right? It's called Walking in the Darkness. And it's sad because God is light and he offers us to be able to walk with him in the light, but too often we get off that path and we choose the path of darkness. That's the golden calf temptation, that we see an evil desire and we go for it because for some reason we think it will be better for us. Even though it means rejecting God's ways, we take it. Now, I just I hope you see now how ridiculous that is. And I'm going to put one of these charts up here again. If option A is the temporary pleasure of sin and option B is God's path, which one should we choose? It's easy, right? We choose God's path. Yet how often do we pick that temporary pleasure of sin? And I one of the reasons I want to put it up there is just because I want you to see how ridiculous it is to take temporary pleasure over God's plan to try to create some blessing on our own apart from God when God has offered that we can go with him but other times it's not even a a decision between good and evil sometimes it's a decision just between good and best sometimes we settle for something that, that sounds good and maybe it's something that we've always wanted but it's not what God is leading us into that was the choice that Moses fought for. God offered them something good, right? The promised land, protection, milk and honey. God offered that to them, but it wasn't best because he wasn't with them. And sometimes we're presented with a choice like that where option A looks good, but it's not best. Let me put this one up here. If option A would be the promised land without God, option B might be staying with God. Now let me, let me talk present day. What, what might that look like? Um... Let's say that you get offered a promotion at your job. And let's say that it's maybe the one that you've always wanted. Let's say it's, it's, it's more money, it's a higher position, it's a little bit more honor. But you'd have to move. And, and maybe God has opened doors for ministry right where you are. Which one do you take? Do you, do you take what you want? Or do you take what God wants? I, Moses fought for the blessing of God with us. It's the biggest blessing that we can have. And you see, if God is with us, people will take notice. Look at verse 16 again. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? You see, if God is with us, here's the thing. His blessing will come with him too. So really, it's not a choice between God's blessings and God's presence. The choice is, we choose God's presence and trust that the blessings will come with Him. And and let's just remember what blessings those are, though. It's not necessarily the blessing of as much money as you could ever want, or that car you've always wanted. It's more like the blessings of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, those things that God will give His people if we walk rightly with Him. And you know what? If you walk around with love and joy and peace and all those things, the world is going to notice something different about you. How many people are walking around this world without those things? And if we have a supernatural power source to give them to us, I think that people will take notice. I think that part of what's going on here in Exodus 33 was evangelistic. I think that God so wanted His blessing to be on His people so that the other nations might know In Isaiah 55, it talks about how God had endowed his people with splendor and and the nations will come. I think that God wants to do the same very thing in us. If we choose the path of God with us, then we should expect that he will give us the, the blessings that come along with his presence. God wants other people to see his glory and come to him. And that's why God wanted to bless his people here with his presence. So in verse 17, God accepted Moses' request to be with all the people. In verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. All the way back in Exodus 3, that's what God had promised. That was God's desire for his people to lead them into the promised land and to be with them. And now in verse 17, we see a restoration of that because God is a forgiving God, which is good because the people really messed up badly in chapter 32 with the golden calf. But God revealed himself to the people and showed himself to be a God who forgives. In the very next chapter, we see these important words from God, uh, some of the most important words we see in the Old Testament. It's the first time we have seen these words in the Bible and they get repeated many times in the Bible. It's the Lord speaking to Moses, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Earlier we saw God's mercy in not destroying them. Here we see even more. We see God's forgiveness, and we see God's compassion. We see God revealing himself to his people. He didn't want to leave Israel behind. It's interesting. Why, why is it that Moses fought so hard for God not to leave Israel behind? Why do you think that is? I think it's because God put that desire on Moses' heart. God is the one who wanted his people. And, and Moses just simply asked for that which God wanted. And then this is where the people ask the question. Here's here's a little theological uh, sidebar for you here, for those of you that like theology. What changed about God in verse 17? Nothing. Thank you. That's the right answer. Why? Because God doesn't change. So we could ask the question, though, what changed in verse 17? Well, what changed? It was the, the heart of Moses as their leader and the hearts of the people. We saw... We saw them mourning and repenting in verse 4, and we saw Moses as their leader, resolving to lead the people in such a way that God would be with them. God will always respond to the repentant. Uh, Sometimes I I say it this way, what, what do I bring to the equation in my relationship with God? Well, I'm a sinner. But, even so, God loves to hear us repent. He loves to be with us. He loves to bless us. He is a forgiving and compassionate God. So please know that. If you have chosen your own path, we're talking a lot here about how we might choose our own path, and we do that sometimes. If you find yourself there right now, just talk to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to go down that path without you anymore. I want God with me. I want God with us. Moses was simply acting as their mediator. And again, he was foreshadowing Jesus, our mediator. Jesus came and died for our sins and taught us how to follow God. And because of what Jesus did for us, we can have a restored relationship with God, his presence with us. And that leads me to my big idea for today. God's heart is for us to be with him. That's who God is. That's why he sent Jesus and called him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Next week, I'm going to walk you through a a bunch of verses in the Bible that talk about this blessing of God with us because it's God's heart for us to be with Him. He showed that in Exodus by forgiving the people and showing His compassion and continuing to lead them. But what about us? What does it mean for us to have God's presence with us? Well... One of the things that you would learn if you were to take like a Bible 101 class is that you see that sometimes things are different in the New Testament than they were in the Old Testament. And this is one of those cases where a lot of it is the same, that God's heart is the same in both Testaments to be with his people, but in the New Testament we see some wonderful things. We see that that God sent Jesus so that we could be with him. Again, the the name Emmanuel means God with us. God sent Jesus so that we could be forgiven of our sins and can have an eternity-long relationship with God. Um, how do we get that? What's our response supposed to be to Jesus? We are supposed to receive him. John 1.12 said, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then in our benediction verse from Colossians 2.6, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as the Lord... What are we supposed to do? God's desire is for us to be with Him. We are supposed to receive Jesus. So let me stand as an intercessor now between you and God. God has made His offer of salvation. If you have not yet, will you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord? I urge you not to go any longer on your own path, but to give your life to Jesus, to receive Him as Lord, as Master to ask him to forgive your sins and to give your whole life to him, to follow him. And when we do receive Jesus, God's presence takes up residence in our hearts. And that's not even the end of the story. There's more to it because there's another part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit who also takes up residence in us. Look at this. In Ephesians 1.13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So God gives us the Holy Spirit to be with us. And what are we supposed to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, in Galatians 5, there's these two commands. Live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. That's what we are to do. You see, God still leads us and God's heart is for us to be with him. It means receiving Jesus as Lord, continuing to walk in him, and following the, the lead of the Holy Spirit. But how do we do that on a daily basis? I want to I close my sermon uh, with some, three points of application. Okay? Uh, and the question here, the key question, how can we make sure that we're going where God leads us? That was kind of the Exodus question, Exodus 33. How can we make sure that we're going where God leads us? Well, one of the ways that we can do that is by constantly asking this question. God, am I doing what you want me to do? Wherever we are and whatever we're doing, whether it's in our job, whether it's with our families, whether it's in our hobbies, in our free time, in the, the shows that we watch, the movies that we watch, uh, the things that we do when no one is looking, the way that we interact with other people. We should constantly be talking to God and saying, God, am I doing what you want me to do? Have you led me into this? And if not, what do we do? We repent. We turn around and say, God, I'm sorry. We get back in the light. So we can ask God, am I doing what you want me to do? How will we know? How will we get an answer from God? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. You see, God wants to lead us so we can talk to him about the things that we're doing and say, God, is this where you want me to go? If you want to know, ask God. Uh, but let's move on. There's another way that we can ask this question about making sure that we're going where God leads us. In Exodus 33:13, Moses said, If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you so the second point here is we should ask God to teach us his ways and like I said before God has revealed his ways to us he has given us a book full of his ways that we might know him again, it's not just about knowing things about God it's not even just about knowing the things that God wants us to do, it's about knowing God himself so are you committed to that kind of life where you're constantly saying show me your ways God He'll not only teach you, he will help you to get to know him more. And then there's one other way that we can go where God leads. He doesn't lead us into sin. Too often we get our own ideas about what life should look like. Too often we have this chart before us here. Option A is our plans, and option B is God's plans. And again, uh, if I were to, should we have a show of hands here? Who wants to do option A? Raise your hand. Well, I'm raising, sorry. Who, how about option B, God's plans. Who wants to do Okay. Yet how often do we pick the our plans side of that? Let's make sure that we are in constant contact with God about His plans, so that we don't choose our plans. You see, this idea of, of doing life with God, about going where He leads and having His presence with us, it isn't about us making our choices and then asking Jesus to come along It's about us seeking God and saying, God, where do you want me to go? We don't go where we want to go. We go where God is, where God leads. So if you've been following your own path, again, just talk to God about this. God was pleased to hear from Moses. He relented from destroying the people because it looks like they went on this path of repentance. God is pleased to hear you repent. Okay, and then let me say one more thing about this. Um, I've walked through those three parts of application. And I should maybe say this. I think maybe actually every pastor should say this every time they preach a sermon. Or you should say it every time you're teaching somebody the Bible. Uh, don't just take my word for it. W- what I want to urge you to do, especially with this, this passage that I've looked at, we've looked at today, I want you to look at it on your own. So Exodus 33, or if you want to widen it out, you can read chapters 32 to 34 this this wonderful passage of God's gracious response to his people. Uh, I have tried to unpack it and explain it to you, um, but for several weeks as I've been thinking about this sermon, I've been looking forward to this sermon, for several weeks I've been thinking, I'm not going to be able to do it justice. So I want you all, I'm going to give you a homework assignment, I want you to read at least Exodus 33 sometime soon, if not even today, and uh, just talk to God about how you're doing and going where God leads and not where you lead. Let God point something out to you about your life in which you've been going your own way and and then just repent of it and tell God that you want to go His way. And then one very last final thing. I already did my last thing. Now I'll do my last final thing here. (laughs) Uh, We'll see if there's anything after that. But um, This is really cool. Eventually, God's people got to go into the promised land with God, right? You know the rest of the story. It took a while. There was some sin that had to be taken care of. And then a little bit later on, there was even some more sin, and they got that 40-year time out in the desert. But eventually, God did lead his people into the promised land, and he was with them. God did what he said he would, and he blessed his people. And you know what? (coughs) God has given us a promise. What's, what's our promise? The promised land? Eternity with Him. That God wants to bring us to be with Him forever. To be blessed by Him forever. That is God's heart for us. And it's for all who know Jesus as Lord and who continue to walk around with Him as Lord. God will bless us if we are committed to living in His presence. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you have revealed this to us like this. Um, God, we thank you that you show us how serious sin is and how damaging it was to the relationship of your people with you. But God, we thank you for your mercy and your compassion and your forgiveness. And God, may we remember those things as we make our plans. Help us not simply to follow our plans, but to submit to your plans. God, I pray that we would not want to go anywhere without you, but that we would only go where you lead. And God, I pray that in the coming hours and days that you would uh, bring this passage to remembrance and help us to to meditate on it and let you point things out about our lives that aren't quite quite right. God, may we go where you lead in the power of the Holy Spirit to give you honor and glory. And we thank you for the blessings that are there when we go with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.